welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Welcome back, and welcome way back after an extended hiatus to your favorite movie podcast, where a couple run through the scariest movies he's ever seen in an effort to kill me and talk about it like they're some sort of prize. I am Cindy. With me as always. It's Josh, and the prize is your teacher pension. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah, I die. He gets that sweet, sweet retirement money from the state. Uh, we are back after an extended hiatus, whereupon our dear friend Josh graduated from graduate school. Yay! Uh, he is now a master of all social work things. Sure. <laughs> um, for those keeping score at home, this is our first episode that we have recorded from start to finish um post the graduation right uh, we did the phantasm 3 episode before and then half of the phantasm 4 episode and we were just kind of lingering on getting it done and things happened um life happens personal, professional it's all thing we're back with don't uh, worry mama no and daddy are fine plans to take time off for the i'm not promising future. shit because it's my final semester next i'm not so, promising anything well i'll i usually do the legwork and put the podcast and stuff together so all you'll have to do is just bring your sultry voice <laughs> talk about movies and then that do this is? grad school homework yeah that i yay, no longer have to do yay <laughs> all right so we are back and we are starting uh the month of august our theme is oh this summer trip took a fucking turn Okay, so what is that's the name of the theme? That's the name of the theme. This summer trip took a fucking turn. <laughs> okay. We're doing four okay. vacation themed horror movies. Right. For is one of them the vacation month. We've already had Jaws. Jaws 3D. We're ready to Jaws 4. Jaws, no, we're that not. That was at 4. four. Uh, Jaws 4 The Revenge. This time it's personal. Doesn't um, get much more. No, we're going to do four different movies that have um, a summer theme, summer getaway, vacation feel. Okay. To kind of go out because we didn't really do anything this summer for the podcast. We're going to cram all the summer we can into August because we're in the middle of a fucking heat wave and the earth is dying. Um, which this brings is us how to we're spending our time with you, gentle listeners. Today's movie, ladies and gentlemen. I like how we pause. I, like, I did. I build. I, like I, I build breath. up. Um, but like if they're listening to the podcast, they already know the name of the movie because the name of the movie is the title of the podcast. Yeah. Um, but welcome to The Burning. The Burning. All right. When did this movie come out? Um. Or make its feature debut, I guess. 1981. Okay. 1981. In 1981. We have problematic shit to talk about with this movie though. Oh, okay. Um, so let's talk about 1981 first. <laughs> we right. start talking about problematic shit. Well, there's problematic shit in 1981, but... <laughs> Um, so 81, Thank the you year, for clarifying. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 81, the year is, uh, Reagan gets inaugurated. The uh, Iran releases their 52 American hostages. Uh, Bobby Sands conducts his Irish hunger strike in British prison because, um, you know, they're the IRA. It's a whole thing. The IRA, yeah. Um, there's a wonderful movie by not race car driving actor Steve McQueen but British filmmaker Steve McQueen. Mm. Uh, it's his first movie, and it's called Hunger, and it's about this very instant. So if you're like, I want to know more, that movie's pretty good. I was about mm, 37 when I realized that there were two separate Steve McQueens. They weren't just, what wasn't a race car driving. He retired from dri right, dr right. race and car driving and just started a, directing movies. Yeah, I thought he did them together. A black British man. <laughs> 
I didn't know what they looked like. My apologies. Um, it's also the year that Reagan got shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, For Jodie Foster. The CDC identified um, AIDS. Well, no, the CDC. Well, yeah, go ahead. The CDC identified yeah. it. They were like, what's this crazy Not the American situation? government. Um, MTV was launched in 81. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, Ric Flair won his first World Heavyweight Championship. That's all anybody worries about. And if you mean anyone, I mean in this house, that's all we worry about. Oh, Where sure. was Ric Flair? What was he doing? Winning championships. Okay. Well. That's his first of 16. He had 15 titles. Good Lord. Uh, that was the year that the As world... of this recording, he's still active in the community. No, he's not. He's retired. He had that terrible match where he passed out in the middle of it. Oh, okay. Uh, that was his last. People were like, I don't want to see Grandpa die. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants to see Grandpa die. Yes. That was the year that we gained Britney Spears, Natalie Portman, Chris Evans, and Elijah Wood. But Fun. sadly, we had to lose Bob Marley, Jack Albertson, who is uh, Grandpa Joe, mm-hmm. and the lead from another 1981 movie, Dead and Buried. Oh, yeah. We did watch that, didn't we? Um, Natalie Wood. Yeah, he's not... Oh, yeah. And, of course, Bobby Sands. So, uh, You know the only type of wood that doesn't float? Yeah, Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, worry. My U.S. High, my U.S. history teacher in high school taught us that joke. Um, so, 1981. 1981. Um, this movie is rated R. It is one hour and 31 minutes Ooh, long. Ooh, my favorite. We are wading into the shallow end of the pool. Thank Nothing you. crazy this week. Nothing over the top. Um just a kind of simple, fun movie. It okay. came out May 8th of 1981. Um, it is got a co-story and directing credit by Tony Malon. Who is that? Um, he I directed like that name. an insane movie called Split Second. Okay. Which is like a flooded uh, world. Like the ice caps melt. This movie came out like the 80s, like like the 80s or early 90s. Like, the, like what's uh, happening right now? Ice caps melt. And there's like a monster in London and Rucker Hauer's fighting it. Yeah. It's insane. Where's Rucker Hauer um, now that we need him? He's dead. Exactly. <laughs> uh, climate change. Um, but he also did this movie called Riddle, uh, The Riddle of the Sands. Um, and he did the Genesis movie about the, the concert the band movie Genesis? about the band Genesis. Oh. So I didn't know. Go. Okay. Cool. Um, another original story by credit goes to Brad Gray who was an executive producer on The Sopranos. He was uh, um, The Departed, News Radio, mm. Dirty Work. Oh, we like Dirty Work. Mr. Show. Love love that. Happy Gilmore. Okay, so is this the kind of movie that we're in, that I'm in this for? Is the, uh, or... We'll talk about the type of movie we're about to watch in a minute. But okay. I need to get through, when I said problematic, here we go. Oh, oh that's right. The third original story by credits. Or not, yeah, story by mm-hmm. is Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Um, who's also a producer on this movie. Now, this is something that at some point we're going to have to address. Well, uh, can I just read you what I wrote in my notes? <sighs> yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I allow I it. wrote, here's my notes. Harvey Weinstein dash Miramax co-founder slash producer slash convicted rapist. Correct. <laughs> um, at some point... <sighs> I don't know how it's hard. It would be very hard to avoid anything that the Weinsteins hadn't touched in Hollywood in my lifetime. Does that make sense? Essentially, Um, that leaves out 10 years of movies that were nominated for Best Picture. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I 
I don't want, I don't like to go against my moral character as far as, you know, I refuse to watch a Woody Allen or I mean, whatever his name he's is. He's in movie. prison, so he's not getting any of this money. Okay. Also, I, like, mm. I can guarantee you what happened was, um, because, well, let me, let me get through the rest okay, of it. Okay, let's just, yeah, we'll sorry. Back. So, the screenplay credit actually is split between two people. It's split between Bob Weinstein, Harvey's the dead brother. One. No, they're both still alive. I thought it's no. uh, for him. I just wrote co-founder slash brother slash Harvey apology machine. Mm. <laughs> Harvey apologist. Um, and then Peter Lawrence, who um, God bless you, Peter Lawrence. He wrote a lot of Thundercats and Silverhawks, oh, which so are you're... two cartoons I watched the shit of out of when I was a child. Um, All right. Okay. Now, let me just quickly address the Weinsteins. Yes, they are fucking awful human beings. Outside of the sexual assaulty, terrible human beingness of Harvey and, I mean, allegedly Bob. I have to say allegedly for Because, Bob. yeah, he wasn't as convicted as But, like, brother. Harvey's just a fucking dickhead who was just mean to people just to be mean to people. Um He's just not good people. Ruined Leslie and, and he, Warren. He ruined people's lives. He he ruined people's careers uh, because he could. Yep. Um, because there is no because he was a white man with power. wealthy, powerful man who could get laid if he wasn't wealthy or powerful. Yep. Um, You're not wrong. That Bob. being said, I have a really good suspicion that this is 1981. This is. Back when New Line is getting started, this is when Miramax is getting started, all these little, what in the 90s, would they would explode into like these mini majors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their bread and butter in the 80s were doing fucking like Halloween knockoffs, you know, or horror films. Um, That's kind of You can talk about here. New Line being like now it's like oh, New Line and the Lord of the Rings movies. It's like when I was a kid, New Line meant Freddy, Freddy Krueger and yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and Miramax was no fucking different. <laughs> Miramax yeah. was like, hey, what if we gave you the burning? Uh, and I have a suspicion that this was something that like Harvey rattled off in a meeting and then was like, well, I had the name for the title or I had like one little shred of something. So like not only am I producing it, but I should get a credit too for like, so, so like, I feel it's going to those things because they have historically are both really bad at just fucking with filmmakers. Yeah. Um, which is terrible. And not the worst thing they did by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, they're just not good people. So, but let's talk about the last cast member real fast. Okay, who is that? Because they are good people. Um, the reason why people still talk about this movie and still watch this movie. What are we talking about? It's not because of the director. It's not because of the Weinsteins. It's Thank because... God. All of the makeup and effects are done by Tom Savini. Oh, Tom Savini's a big deal in the horror world. Um, actor, director, effects, hear us talk about legend. The, yeah, hear us talk about him. Gosh, we've done quite a few movies that yeah, he is responsible he for. He is intrinsically tied to um, Romero. Yes. Right, George Romero mm-hmm. and his zombie films. George even let... Um, Savini directed the remake of Dawn of the... Or of Day of the... Or shit. Night of Living Dead. <laughs> You're going, okay. Uh, which is actually like a good remake. Um, as far as remakes go. So there's that. I just want to point out that like... We talked about him doing... You know, a lot of Romero stuff in the 70s. And even in the 80s. But the run he was on in this... 
Um, so in 1980, he does Friday the 13th. Okay. The original, like, Friday the 13th. Um, then he does Maniac, which I... Did we, we did Maniac, didn't no, we? No. I am so looking forward to the oh, day we get uh-oh. to watch Maniac. It's a lot. Maniac's a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he did Eyes of a Stranger. Then this movie that he turned... I want to point out, he turned down Friday 2 for. They were for like, this movie? They were like, do you want to do Friday the 13th Part 2? And he's like, I'm on the burning. Um, and then he did The Prowler. Okay. Another slasher. And then Creep Show. <laughs> so this is like we're in the thick of like prime Savini. Yeah, if you know who Tom Savini is, it's this time period is what you probably know him from. Yeah. Um, and then just quickly, I'm going to mention some of the cast because you're really only going to know one, maybe two people. All right. No problem. Um, so the lead is Brian Matthews, this who plays Todd. Um, he was in, you know. I don't know. Todd. He was, yeah, Todd. Um, he's in a movie called Riptide. This is really the big thing that he did in his career. Uh, and then we got Brian Booker as Alfred, uh, who would go on to be in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And he was Arnie in Police Academy for the greatest Police Academy sequel. Is that the Citizens, Citizens on Patrol? Patrol. <laughs> yes. I With a very young David Spade. And, and I think ends... that introduces Bobcat Goldthwait's character, no, doesn't it? No, he was the bad guy in two. In two. But he becomes... Yeah, and he became he, a cop in three. Right. And then they all go back to the academy to be teachers in four. Oh, okay. Which is why four is the fucking best. Four's got Tony Hawk in it. Yep. Four's got a Kim young... Cattrall in it. No. Yep. Is it yes. Kim Cattrall? No. Yeah. I thought so Kim Cattrall not... was in one and then Sharon Stone was in four. Well, I might have it all backwards. Doesn't matter. That's for our other podcast. The Police Academy For the Police sequels. Academy sequels. I love the Police Academy Citizens on the Mic. Kid. Um, I fucking loved those movies when I was a kid. Yeah, so did I. Oh, I watched that. Those and like the Naked those. Gun movies. I just yeah. watched them all the time. Um, okay. Then we got Leah Ayers, who plays Michelle. Um, I know her best as the female lead slash only real female in Bloodsport. <laughs> in case you heard a pop, that was me whipping my head around to look at our signed Bloodsport. <laughs> this isn't a poster. It's a... It's uh, an 11 by 17. Yeah. Or 12 by 18. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme signed it so big. Yeah. Like Chong Lee just wrote his name. So I just want to point out. Jean-Claude Van Damme's signature oddest, looks like a man kicking. That's how he does. So it yeah, looks like him. Oddest decision in Bloodsport after rewatching it for the thousandth time is. Claiming they... his story. <laughs> no, no, no. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like Fargo level amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Where Far- they in Fargo they were like it's based on a true story, and people were like, Loosely. okay. Um, there's a moment in Bloodsport where they have sex, mm-hmm. and then she's like trying to get him to take her to the Kumite, mm-hmm. and he gets up, and we see her in like a single shot, and then her POV reverse shot. Is Van Damme pulling his fucking underwear up mm-hmm. so we see his ass? Yep. And I'm like, that's an odd POV choice. Is, it, is this the one where he's wearing it, or is he pulling up jeans without underwear? No, no, no. He, he, uh, you see his ass. I know. I know. He pulls up those tidy whities Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those those buns. Those Van Damme buns. <laughs> we should have a podcast about Van Damme's buns. The muscles from Brussels. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the glutes from brutes. No, he was. That's what he was. No, going I to know. Say. That's what he was. Go- 
Forget um, it. I was trying to be funny. It's fine. We have Larry Joshua, which is a terrible name, as Glazer. <laughs> that is a bad name. He was in Dances with Wolves. Um, we have Lou David. Okay. As Cropsy. Ooh. Who would be in The Last Dragon? Have you ever seen The Last Dragon? Yes, I have. With Sean be... Connery as the no. voice of the dragon. No. Which one am I thinking of? No. You're thinking of Dragonheart. My bad. Sorry. Sydney, the Last Dragon is a Motown movie mm-hmm. where Bruce Leroy has to fight Shonuff the Shogun of Harlem. Gosh, I can't believe I missed this. Over the power movie. of the glow. Mm. And it is phenomenal. It's like super fun. Um, and then lastly, mm-hmm. Jason Alexander is Dave. Oh, George Costanza fame. Yeah, George Costanza's in this movie. Um, this movie is better than it should be. All right. <laughs> I will say that. Like, it's one of those things when you go back and you watch it, and you're like, this is better than it should have been. Because this is 1981. We are in full Halloween, Friday the 13th ripoff territory with, like, the boom of slashers that started coming out this year. Um, so just for reference, 1981, just a few movies that came out that year. An American Werewolf in London. Arthur. Blowout. Body Heat, Clash of the Titans, Cutter's Way, Dead and Buried, Dragon Slayer, speaking of fucking rad dragon movies, mm. uh, Escape from New York, Evil Dead, Friday the 13th 2, The Fun House, Halloween 2, The Howling, Mad Max, Fu- um, I said Fury Red, Mad Max the Road Warrior, <laughs> My Bloody Valentine, the best slasher of that year. Yeah, I do like that movie. I'm sorry, The Burning, you're really good. <laughs> but... My Bloody Valentine is my favorite slasher from that year. Um, Fair. Outland, which is a western set on the moons of Saturn with Sean Connery. Cool. Uh, Possession. Okay. The movie where uh, Isabella Johnny fucks a squid monster. Gross. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Stripes. They all laughed. Thief and Time Bandits. All right. So Pretty solid movies in that one. Blowout's one of our days. And then that leads into... 82, which is, like, the summer of, like, Blade Runner, The Thing, E.T., all that shit. So, I will say, mm-hmm. I wrote down two taglines. The all tagline right. on the poster for this movie is, a legend of terror is no campfire story anymore. I hate that tagline. Okay. It's on the poster, though, which oh. is why I included it. The The other tagline for this movie that I like way more is, gather around the campfire to die. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well. So here's the poster. This is the part of the podcast. Josh shows me a poster and I try to tell you what it's going to be about. Okay. What do you think this movie is going to be about? Camp Blackfoot. So it's a 1970s summer camp based on the memories of the 1950s. It will take you further than fear. Uh, There's a man and woman making out in the lake. And there is a shadow of a guy who has hedge clippers and he's going to cut their heads off. So I think this is going to be about a shadowy man with hedge clippers who cut teens who aren't saving themselves for marriage while they're at Camp Blackfoot. Am I wrong? I mean, we are in firm. Let's rip off Friday the 13th territory Mm -hmm. in 1981. Mm -hmm. Um so that's why I guessed the way I did. Uh, you're correct. Yay! The summer connection. Well, 
The oh. summer connection to this movie mm-hmm. is it's a fucking summer camp movie. Right. We've never done one of those before. That's correct. And it's odd that we're going with the party first. Well, but it's pretty good, actually. Like, like it's actually a pretty good movie. Okay. Um, so you should probably watch it. Where it's is on it? Tubi. We- all right, so it's for, it for free. free. Great. Um, it's probably available at any of your pay-for-play you uh, platforms, it. right? Um, Screen Factory put out a Blu-ray. They're putting out a 4K, which is fucking insane. Um, I live in a world where certain movies aren't getting released on, like, but this one is. And then they're like, what about a burning 4K? And you're um, like, done, I'll buy like, it regardless. You know, I'm, I'm good with the Blu-ray. Uh, I'm not paying $30 for a second copy of The Burning as much okay. as I enjoy this movie. Um yeah yeah it's not like a movie like big trouble little china where they're like what if you did this and i'll be like i'll buy every copy ever just put them out um all right well yeah watch the burning it's fucking fun guys have some fucking fun it's summer okay nobody's denying nobody is going against you everyone's okay see you driving in your car okay being not fun all right all right well (laughs) join us won't you mind the doors watch the burning the quintessential 80s slasher you've never seen or heard of except a lot of us have both seen it and heard of it Mm, i've never heard of it but but oddly when people talk about a summer camp slasher movie i pictured this movie even though i had never seen it (laughs) does that make sense like this like oh yeah this it checks every box that's exactly what uh it should have been and it did what it was supposed to do i guess yeah um, man, this movie is better than it should have been. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, was it not a big hit? No, this movie wasn't a hit at all. And compared to like the numbers that Friday the 13th did. You got to remember Friday the 13th came out and the year before this, this came out the same year as Friday 2. Um, it is a better movie than Friday 2. Fucking come at me, people. I don't give a fuck. Um, and it didn't do as well. There's one burning movie mm-hmm. and there's... 12 Friday the 13th films. Is there a reason for that? Like, was did, like, the cast fall apart? Was No, it's just... It just didn't something's manage hit, to land. Don't, right? 
Okay. It like, was decent. It, like I said, it, it checks all the boxes of like legend becomes true, becomes legend. Uh, summer camp check, teen sex romp check. Um, all, so, all the, you know, cliques are represented. This movie has something Friday the 13th doesn't. Not a black person. Kids. Oh, yeah. that Like. Also not a black person. I know you're not like, familiar with, um, there's not a lot of black people till later in the Friday films as well. But I know you're not familiar with the Friday the 13th films, but I think it's not until six. Mm-hmm. Six. That, like, kids are at the camp. It's always like, they're there the week before kids get there. Okay. To get the camp ready, and then Jason starts murdering them, or the camp's been closed down for years, right. and Jason's just murdering people that are camping in the woods. Gotcha. Um, Fair. I don't think it's still six that you actually have kids at the camp. This movie when they're is like, there's just fucking kids at the camp, and they see horrible things. And some of them get killed themselves, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They sure do. This fucking movie. Tell me about this movie, dearest. Well, walk me through it. What's the plot? Tell me the plot. Uh, this is a plot about uh, a man, a, a, summer, a camp prank goes wrong and results in a man being burned who then becomes a serial killer killing camp kids. And that man is Cropsy. Cropsy. And he kills them with lawn shears, as I have forementioned in the opening of this. Yeah. Um, they say it's, well, it's at Camp Blackfoot where the it, movie opens it, at. It and opens, it's closed right. After it burns to the ground. Apparently, like... That prank caused the entire camp to burn down, potentially. I guess maybe lawsuits, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, that seems a group of viable. boys basically are like, Cropsy's a dick. We hate fucking Cropsy. So we're going to prank him. And they put like a wax skull right. they put candle like, in, beside his bed. And, it and they the wake him up. And he, and he gets horribly burnt and disfigured in a way that is insane. Literally. He literally becomes a monster. Right. Uh, an unfeeling monster. And then there's a scene at the hospital that is actually one of my biggest, weirdest fears. Is a, is a nurse going, come look at this freak. It's just like, you get hurt really bad. Mm-hmm. And then the people in the hospital are like, look at this fucked up thing. <laughs> Let's go stare at this freak show. Yeah, that's a little unethical. I don't think that is happening too much anymore. God, I hope not. Yeah. That's always uh, my, that's so my but fear that about. does happen. That's my fear about dying. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of, like, leaving a body that, like, people are going to be like, look at this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> like. What a horrible thing, hun. Because you can't control it, right? Oh, yeah. So why care? Why? Oh, well, I, whatever. Mm. I mean, it's not a rational fear. No, it's not irrational. It's a thing. Um, so, like, it's five years of, like, skin grafts that don't take. Right. Before chewed bubblegum cropsy. <laughs> Uh, is released unto the wild. Bullgum, that's not right. And he promptly kills a prostitute. Yep. And then just makes his way back out into the woods outside of Buffalo, New York. Right. Um, to another camp that's conveniently has a camp counselor um, that uh, is Brian Matthews, who we find out <laughs> later is one of the kids that set Cropsy that, alight. Right. So is that why Cropsy went there in the first place? We'll never know. Was it just a a, a fun coinky dink? We don't know. We don't uh, know how much crops he planned ahead for this. But, like, as we say this, mm. I don't want people to think that we're shitting on this movie. No, this it was movie a very good movie. It had a, it had a decent plot. Um, the graphics were pretty good. It was it wasn't like out. Graphics. <laughs> it wasn't out there like crazy. It was perfectly fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically these kids go. It's the thing that they do a joke about in One Hot American Summer, where they have to go in like a separate right. like 
down the river outing. Yeah, that's a very, well, I mean, that's a typical trope is like the seniors go or the, you know, fifth years get to do an overnight with the co-ed or something like that. Everyone's just trying to fuck. Right. Because they're teenagers. Yep. And while they're mingling and fucking and you've got a whole subplot with like the weird nerdy kid. Yeah, he's like a weird voyeur. Yeah, like stares at girls in the shower, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's basically he's an excuse for them to get more boobs in the movie. Right. Um, Which they do. And then Cropsy just shows up and starts killing people. Yep. And the best scene is when he kills um, the one girl who was like a, a model. The one who, um, oh, what was his name? Uh-huh. The one that was with uh, Glazer. Oh, the when the one who he took her like yeah. clothes and put them sprinkled them throughout the forest, and then he cuts the <laughs> boat loose, all the boats, and then when the, the kids build a raft, they're like we need to build a raft, <laughs> yep. sends people back to get boats, and they just find a canoe in the river, and then they go up to the canoe, and Cropsy just jumps up out of it, and he's silhouetted by the sun, and it's like a white ah, background, yeah, and he just demolishes these kids, and stabs them in the thigh. Yeah. I think it's. It's grody. I need to point out, because I think I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. that Tom Savini, who did the effects, basically learned not to do effects, but like based his effects off of what he saw in Vietnam. Yikes. As a photographer. Yowza. So he was like, oh, like, this so is they what were pretty happen. accurate. Like, this is how people bleed. Like, yeah. this is how this works. Like, because he it wasn't gratuitous or too much. Violence. It wasn't like, because you That's why to, yeah. I was. I think that's why I was confused when you were like, yeah, it just wasn't a hit. Like, I don't see why not. It had everything everybody, every, every other slasher has. An interesting story. It, in fact, this one's a little more believable than the what ends up happening with, like, Jason, where it's his mom and then it's not. And I don't know. I wonder yeah. why something has the sweet sauce and some doesn't. Sometimes, some don't. Sometimes it lands. Not. Sometimes they don't. Like, the thing is, like, this is a movie that launched a lot of careers right we talked about like the weinsteins we mm-hmm. talked about jason alexander we we did not talk about holly hunter how she's in this movie this was like her entree into sag now she got to stop waiting tables Fun. right is the burning um but sometimes they just don't land and it's weird the ones that do and the ones that don't like this movie took years for people to be like to appreciate so the burning fucking rule it's the same way with like john carpenter's the thing when it came out everyone was like boo eh. we don't like the thing it's et summer baby and then now now everyone's like man let me tell you the two best movies that came out in 1982 were the thing and blade runner released on the same day those movies were huge flops when they came out oh <laughs> like no like they t- it take those movies lost a fuck those ton movies of took a while to they were a slow burn eh? yeah it's slow just burn. this movie i'm not going to say this movie has got the fan base of a thing or blade runner mm-hmm. but it's a similar situation where it took took a minute like kids finding it on vhs and being like so this movie fucking rules yeah i know so, this is your friend uh one of your friend jeremy's favorite movies he he swears that this is arguably the best slasher from the 80s I go. don't That's even think line. it's the best slasher from 1981. But um, to each his own. But I think it's fucking solid. I think it's better than Friday 2. I think it's better than Friday 1. You've said um, that. <laughs> I don't think it's better than the uncut My Bloody Valentine. But that's that's a personal choice. That was in our season three, if anybody yeah. wants to go back and listen to that. My Bloody Valentine is Canadian, but it feels West Virginia as shit. <laughs> it does. Because of all the coal mining. Well, until the, you see all the safety thing, things in place. And you're like, oh, that's not... That's I mean, not America. They would have been That's there. not America cold. They just would have been funny. used, right? 
They would have been like in disrepair. <laughs> True. True. So, um, yeah, essentially, like the Cropsy shows up, kills all these kids. Yep. The kids flee. Um, we don't even really know why Cropsy's an asshole, other than just like he's like he's not a counselor. He's the groundsman, he's and he's kind of an drunk. asshole. He's yeah, also drunk. They really so, lean on the idea of he's like angry because he's drunk all the time. I guess. Okay. That old trope. It's like he's an angry drunk and he's mean to the kids and he looks like he might be a little special like yeah oh i was just curious like we don't know a lot about why he deserved what he got um yeah that's the thing about this movie um this movie doesn't ask you at all to empathize or sympathize with cropsy right it's like from the beginning of the movie everyone hates him then he becomes a monster and everyone's afraid of him right and then he kills all these kids that have nothing to do with the beginning of the movie um, and, and then we don't know if it's coincidence that he happened to be at the same camp Todd. as Brian Matthews and Todd, his Todd character, Todd. But Todd, Todd, it Todd. comes down to a face-off between them. And I think it's interesting that... It's not expected. Yes. I thought that the doctor that's brought in to be like, look at this freak, was going to end up being one of the kids. I thought maybe that was going to be the tie-in. And then when that didn't pan out, I was like, okay, they're not going to pull that thread, I guess. So that was kind of a twist at the end that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. It's also interesting that, like, this does a similar thing to um, Evil Dead. In Where? that we have a male final person, mm-hmm. right? It's not a final girl. It's like a final guy. And Tom. he has a fight, like, a with... Um, Cropsy and at a moment where they beat Cropsy and they go to leave and he shows back up and it scared the ever loving shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there was a decent jump scare there, um, which cracked me up. <laughs> Always does. So this was the same year as Evil Dead. Okay. And Evil Dead did the same thing of like subverting <laughs> that trope by like it's not Sigourney Weaver, it's not Jamie Lee Curtis, it's a guy. Yeah. It's kind of like the good looking but good natured kind of dopey guy. Like it's to be there right. at the end. Todd of the is like the head male counselor, who like stands up and like doesn't put up with bullying, and even though he bullied the shit out of a grown man, hundred percent by burning him almost alive uh, I mean, by accident, yeah. being a party of that. Yeah, I did. I did point out to you. We watched the the making of this movie. The stuntman who oh, was yes. engulfed in flame. As Cropsy was 17. And the son of, like, the supervising stunt person yeah, on set. Just, um, yeah. Toss, just it, toss it on. You'll be fine, bud. Things that you couldn't get away with now. It's no. Like, what if I my had... God. We'll just light the 17-year-old on fire and have him run around inside this wood building. Um, Shoo! No way. <laughs> That's terrifying that we did that to an adult, but... Yeah. I mean, right just, on. But it ends, like, the end of this movie is decent yeah they kind of hint that it might be at they, first, they leave it open for a sequel but it's not camp blackfoot it's like a mine oh yeah that they're fighting in with like a, actually like the little mine cars the ones that you've mm-hmm. seen like the ducktails um indiana jones and then it ends with cropsy taking an axe to the face and getting set on fire again yes because this is a twofer he yep. gets set on fire twice and then they leave to the Wildly ineffective police showing up in a helicopter. Um, what I don't understand later. is this. Okay. Here's a plot hole I found in this movie. that I, One. I believe everything in this movie except for this. Okay. Right? I will buy everything in this movie except for what I'm about to tell you. Go. She gets back to camp. Okay. She tells the head counselor dude, there's a murderer. And he looks around and he's like, 
stop fooling around. And she's like, look at these fucking kids. Yeah, look, they, they have They've been traumatized. Shit. He's like, oh, um, shit. He's like, oh. And then they get on a boat with like a little dinky like power mower, yeah. power motor. Um, and then she's like, the police are coming by a helicopter and they beat the police there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> Where the fuck were the police coming from? <laughs> they had to stop and get gas. They had to get special waiver to sign the hel- the helicopter aisle. Literally, it was a thing of, it feels like they had shot a lot of the end of the movie and then the police were like, we have a helicopter. Oh, really? Like, Can you just land it? Why didn't you tell us you had a hel- access to a helicopter? So- it's not going to play a part of the movie at all. You just land it in the shot so we could be like, we got a fucking helicopter. Yeah. It was, that was kind of uh, odd. Um, a little odd. It was a great movie. movie. Um, a couple things that you should know. Mm-hmm. So the film is built around uh, a campfire story that's told in summer camps in and around New York and New Jersey um, about Cropsey. It, they actually did a documentary about the Cropsey figure. Um, like, this is a real story? It's that, like, you know... Oh, yeah. The New Jersey the Devil, the Mothman. The New Jersey and there, Devil. You're and, so sweet. And there on the door handle was a hook. Like, there's, like... You notice, like, at the end of... This movie literally ends with a new group of kids telling the same ghost story about mm-hmm. Cropsey. Like, probably in the next year Legends or go on. Like, this is not the only movie that Cropsey appears in. Like, the, the legend the, of Cropsey. Cropsey-like figure. I think it's also... Madman, I think it's also Cropsy. Madman. Can't wait to do that one someday. Um, so that's a thing. Um, it was an abandoned copper mine that they filmed in. They, wow. they just found it in the woods and they're like, fuck, let's shoot in this. Nice. Yeah. That's a good find. Low budget filmmaking. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, we yes. Found this, we found this like destroyed mine. So I found this mine it. shaft. Um, the director said there was a lot more footage of uh, Cropsy for the film, but they pulled it back because they wanted to make it more scary. Okay. Make him more like a mysterious figure as much. Yeah. There were a lot of miss, like a lot of red herrings. Yeah. And I kept go, I kept waiting for like, when's it going to be the real one? And then when, right when you get bored of like, okay, this is dumb. It it is. So like, Savini hated the makeup because he was like, I only had like two days to do it. I didn't like the way it turned out. Mm, So he liked a lot of the effects, like the, I'll tell you what, it's not even like shocking or scary. Every time he pops up and like snips that dude's hand, like fingers off his hand, <laughs> I just start laughing because it's so ridiculous. Like, not that the effect's bad. It's like, it's one of those like, did I just see this in a movie? Yeah. Did I just see a kid get his fingers snipped off of his hand. Like, they were little carrots. Yeah. Clip, clip, clip. Um, Holly Hunter said, quote, when they, so she was asked about this movie, she said, look, I got paid more than I ever could have imagined on the burning. I was making over $1,000 a week, which Woo. was incredible. I could pay my rent. I didn't have to wait tables for a while. I got all these new friends, and I was like, kind of like a glorified extra. Heck yeah. Uh, I got my Screen Actors Guild card. It was fantastic. Right? Yeah, absolutely. What so. a great, for that age group, like, yeah, that that's perfect. That's Dirty Dancing, right? It becomes its own, you know, little camp, and everybody knows each other because you're just filming all the time. Mm-hmm. And then this movie, like I said, it, it took away, it upset the trope of, like, the final girl with the final guy, but also... Most of the women who were killed in this movie didn't just have sex. Like, one of them did. Yeah. Right? Um, one of them almost did. The character who takes on and kills Cropsey, right? It's is like the, a... He has a violent past. He isn't like a, you know... Yeah. He's not an innocent. He's not like 
He's part of this bookish girl who's a virgin. Like he's he fucking set a dude on fire. Yeah. The of the movie. Yeah. He's not innocent. He's not helpless, and he's not exactly the most moral character. Yep. He's trying. Is he trying to make up for you know? Yeah, like you the know, sins of when he was younger. We don't know. It'll be better. I'm going to do better. Yeah. Um, or does he not remember? Has it blocked it out? So, according to the director, this movie got a really good test screening response, and Filmways picked it up in '81. Um, and from Miramax, this was Miramax's first movie, right? This is where mm-hmm. the wine. We talked about that. Yeah, get their gas to go as far as they went. Boo. Um, initially, right? Um, so the company that picked it up, Filmways, was already doing De Palma's. They just released De Palma's Dress to Kill. Um, they'd also done like the town that dreaded sundown without warning, which is fucking insane. Last house on the left. Um, and they were initially going to rename the movie tales around the campfire. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. I like the burning better. I'm glad um, they went with that. It opened on May 11th, 1981 on 110 screens in Florida. It did it a regional rollout. So, you know, this okay. is back before movies just opened nationwide. It did really well around Buffalo. Um, and then kind of just died out. Which is kind of sad. No marketing, nothing. Uh, I, I think a big part of why this movie didn't find the audience it should have found is... What? Here are some movies that were released around uh. the same time that are also slashers. Okay, here we go. Um, this is our reason. It faced competition from Happy Birthday to Me, Final Exam, The Fan, Graduation Day, Eyes of a Stranger... And a re-release of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh. It also... Uh, Why'd they re-release? Friday 2 came out, like, not long after. Right? And it was, like, already had an established people, like, oh, Friday the 13th fucking ruled. So it just came out in a cluster of Oversaturated other, market. Not great, not as good slashers. Yeah. But some of them had more name recognition, so people just went to those instead. Gotcha. So saturated market. I got it. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Oh, well, we discovered it and I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, this movie has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um, it's pretty it, high it's for a high being score. a bomb. It's got, I mean, it's got a high score on like IMDb. It's got a high score on it, anything because it's, it's like a solidly well-made movie. Yeah, it's a decent movie. Um, it's, a, it's a good flick. This is definitely... Uh, I could, <laughs> So... My summer break sucked. <laughs> what did what did you say? How are we? Uh, oh, was it like? Um, what's our theme this month? How are you framing it? My summer vacation has taken a turn. Yes, it definitely falls under that because it does have all these Mister Mister X of like, oh, it's about to turn something. Oh, just kidding. Something yeah. bad's about. Oh, just kidding. Now, um, I do kind of want to keep talking about how much I love this movie and how it was listed as. One of the 50 greatest slashers of all time. Um, by who? By LA Weekly and uh, okay. Magazine. Uh, I do want to say, though, because I think I would be doing a massive disservice to the world if I didn't bring this up. Okay. So I'm going to just tell you this. In October 2017, former production assistant uh, Paula Wachowiak, I apologize if I said your name wrong. He did. Uh, alleged... That producer Harvey Weinstein's history of predatory behavior went back as far as the initial filming of The Burning uh, in June of 1980. She was then a 24-year-old University of Buffalo graduate and divorced mom. She was tasked with getting Weinstein to sign checks for an auditor working with the production's accounting department. When she arrived at Weinstein's hotel room to have him sign the checks, he allegedly answered the door 
wearing only a towel that he then dropped and asked for a massage from his employee. Okay. When she refused, she alleges that he harassed her about the incident through the rest of the film's production up until the film's 1981 premiere. What an asshole. So, yes. What an asshole. The Weinsteins fucking suck. And I can can actually say Harvey Weinstein is a rapist without getting any legal trouble because he has been convicted of rape. That's right. Um, All his appeals have been turned down. good people. Um, So I just, you know... I was trying to like, when do I bring this up? Because I didn't want to like rain on the parade of this movie because I like this movie a lot. But like, it's fucking Harvey Weinstein, man. Like, I hate that. He fucking has from the jump. Like, he's the smallest he's ever been, like, clout wise. Yep. And he's like, won't you touch my dick? Like, I just made the burning. That's all I've ever done. Yep. And it's not going to be a financial or commercial success. What a dill hole. What an asshole. Okay. From that. From that. Uh, would I watch this with... I don't. I would not watch this with my mother. There's too many boobs and sex. I think your it's, mom likes boobs and sex. I'm just gonna I mean, that that's fine for her. That's great. That's not something I want to participate in <laughs> knowledge of. Um, for the exact same reasons why I wouldn't in, you know... When this movie came out, like, eh, I don't want to watch a booby slasher with my mom. Uh, the kids, I think, if I wasn't there for the same reasons, like if they were, if they saw this at a friend's house, I think they, this is campy, this is fun, this is summer blockbuster or summer slasher kind of movie. I think they would get that, yeah. I totally. Yeah. This movie is super fun. I think it would still scare the shit out of your youngest child. Oh, for sure. And he would hate the amount of nudity and violence in it. Correct. Um, but it's a good movie. It, it's a good time. I would watch it again. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's really short. Like, and Why I loved it. I don't think we mentioned this, but it's worth noting. The chemistry between all the kids is oh, incredible. Yeah. Like, And I think that's what makes Sleepaway Camp work so well, too. Is It's just so much fun spending time with the kids when they aren't getting murdered. And that's something <laughs> they have that, a genuine affection for each other. Yeah. And that's something that really is lacking in a lot of summer camp horror films, especially like, I feel like I keep dogging on the Friday films, but like the Friday films, you're just like, okay, you're a placeholder, bud. Yeah. Like, let's get to Jason killing you. This is, um, yeah. actually like kind of give a shit about these people. Uh, I enjoy Jason Alexander's ridiculousness. He's yeah, like such a hairy back. Cockiest, most ridiculous kid at camp. They all the relationships feel real. Yeah. It feels like they were all really friends with like an actual dynamic. And then a guy just started killing them. Um It was an interesting movie. It's it fucking it's good, man. You should watch it. Where are we going watch it. on our next summer vacation, dearest? Um, we're gonna go to Hungary, which is pretending to be Sweden. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and what did are we get, watching? Did you get that, listeners? Did you guess what I'm about to say? Uh, we're about to watch Midsummer, <laughs> which is a that vacation is a, gone wrong movie. Long ass movie. In Sweden, but was actually shot in Hungary for the most part. Okay. Well, so there you go. Until next time. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs>